welcome to this podcast. My name is Kyla Eck, and during this episode, I will be discussing the, the book The Hate You Give. During this podcast, I will elaborate on different themes, symbols, and diversity that was included throughout this book. To begin, we will discuss the four main themes. So the first theme we're going to cover is racism. Racism is like a discrimination towards a person or a group of people that based on how their their what their race is and what their beliefs are. It appeared like many times throughout the book and it's probably like the most common theme without the book. So, and this is one of the quotes in it. So, I'm going to be the investigator and Shauna over here is going to be star. The officer forced Khalil out of the car. Forced? Yes, ma'am, he pulled him out. Because Khalil was hesitant, right? So the vis- the investigator here is trying to justify why the cop did what he did just because they feel like they have a higher power over the black community. They're trying to find a cover story so the public thinks that he was selling drugs and a thug. They're trying to find a cover story so that the public thinks that he was selling drugs and so that, that, why, that was why the officer got scared when he was hesitant. And that's how, like, a lot of media is, is they just, like, blow things out of proportion. And so, like, and people believe it, actually, which is pretty bad. And that's why our society is the way it is. The characters that were involved in the racism was mainly the black, or mainly, like, Star and Khalil. That's where, like, the story is based kind of on about Khalil's, like, trial and stuff. But, um... The racism affects Garden City and the um, black kids at Williamson. And even, like, a lot of the Williamson kids were, like, racist. Like, Haley was racist towards Star, and so she went off about that. So racism, as we know, has been, like, has always been a part of our society. So, like, to add on to that... In the book, the killing of Clue was also similar to the recent killing we have had, which was the killing of George Floyd. And I think it's similar because in the book, they used the Just Us for Justice after Khalil was shot. And they started rioting and burning down buildings. And the Just Us for Justice movement is just like the nowadays Black Black Lives Matter movement. And, like, rioting has happened a lot since George Floyd's death. Like, that's when it started again. And according to, like, this article by FEE, like, dozens of people were killed during our riots and everything, and thousands of businesses and properties were destroyed. Even, like, minority-owned properties were destroyed, which that's bad, too. And then, like, it caused a damage of $1 billion to $2 billion. And that's just crazy to me. So, like, obviously, Ad's experienced, like, rioting over this type of stuff before, but, like, after George Floyd's death, it was reported that it was far exceeded any historical damages before. And I don't necessarily think that America is racist. Like, there's a few racist people in America, yes, but, I mean, that's just how the world is. Like, the world can't be perfect. But, like, in the 2008 election, um... The whites made up 77% of those votes, according to Pew Research, and Obama won that election, so you can't say America is racist, necessarily, when we elected an African-American president.
Our second theme is police brutality. So the key event that the whole book is based on is the killing of Khalil and the events that led up to the police brutality and the events that had taken place after Khalil had passed. So in the book, the this is what happened like when he was getting killed. So Khalil says, so are you going to give me a ticket or what? You know what? Just get out of the car, smart guy. Man, just give me my ticket. Get out the car. Hands up where I can see them. Khalil gets out with his hands up. 115 yanks him out by his arms and pins him against the back door. Okay, smart mouth, let's see what we find on you today. You ain't gonna find nothing. And then he didn't find anything, so the officer walks back to the patrol car, and then Khalil moves and asks, like, Star if she's okay and grabs his hairbrush, and then the cop turns around and shoots him three times. And then Star runs out and starts holding him, and then the cop just yells at her and points the gun at her to, like, put her hands up also. So, like, the fact of her seeing her best friend die and, like, sitting there, like, holding him, like, with his blood everywhere... And the police just does just points the same gun that he shot her friend with at her and tells her like she can't even like hold him while he's at his last breath. So police brutality continued after the death of Khalil in many forms. Like for an example, when Mab was talking to Mr. Lewis outside of the store and the police made him get down to the ground as they handcuffed him. This was like this was just for having a conversation like in front of your store on the street. And the media just always causes more problems. Like, that was one example. The grand jury didn't even find 115 guilty for a crime that he clearly committed against Khalil. Our third theme is about drugs and gangs. And as you can, like, see in the book, there's a bunch of things about drugs and gangs and how they affect, like, neighborhoods and how they portray how a neighborhood is, like, bad or whatever just like in the book um star was affected greatly by the killing of both her best friends khalil and natasha khalil was or natasha was killed by a gang member and um khalil was supposedly a part of a gang but later she finds out that it was just him paying a debt his mom could not cover for King because his mother was an addict. Um, so that affected Khalil's life. He was only um, he was only in high school when he got into dealing, and that changed his life. Like, especially worrying about the cops, and now you're selling drugs on top of it, so you get you're even more. Um, scared and then now that he is gone there's so many people around the community that wish they would have known that he his mom had gotten him into those certain situations so they could help him so it's pretty much just a cycle as you can see like the drug dealers force kids to get into it just like they force Khalil to get into the gangs and so and then they just feel like they cannot get out because they have to pay debt and that's the only way that they get money and that's the only profit they can receive or whatever and so then it's just a cycle because they can't get out and then they get older and they force other kids to get into it because they need more people to do their jobs and everything just to get out of it and then that's just how it is like in the black community with drug dealers yeah like drugs and like kids that are selling the drugs they are getting caught and they are being sent to prison or juvie and the reason why they like kids is because kids will just get sent to juvie until 
they have their time and then they just are right back on the streets and it's hard for these kids to get out because each gang has different territories where they have marked and that they fight over constantly so if these kids want to play in these territories they have to commit to a gang or start uh dealing for a gang and the only way to get out of gangs is either you're in jail and even then when you are in jail and you're part of a gang it's hard to get out because you are trying to fight for your life with all the other gangs in there and then since like all these kids get sent to juvies from gangs it's hard for them because it's on their record that they were selling drugs and everything so it's hard for them to get jobs and get out of that when that's on the record from being in that so then they just have to stay in the gangs to get their source of money because they can't get a job the drug dealers like the king lords like the garden disciples they do not care about the age all they care about is whether they're getting their income they're getting their stuff sold and they're able to buy the things that they want and their business is booming in there like the toughest gang is like their goal and so just like Natasha, like her being shot, like those gang members didn't care. She was only 10 years old and they still shot at that direction. And it's hard to like catch these gang members because I mean, if someone snitches on them, then their whole family and everything, they'll be murdered because these gang members don't like to be snitched on. And like as seen in the book, when Star was talking about gang members to like the police, I mean, not the police, but like the media or whatever, like they went after her family and everything and shot at her house and everything and like went after her and there's so many like gangs that we don't even know about it like according to this article by justice.gov there's in america there's 21,500 gangs and more than like 731,000 active gang members in the united states and they use an array of violence to get what they want we don't even realize this stuff is going on most of the time like a bunch of these gang members go to our school and everything and they walk our streets and everything the fourth theme is family dynamics and this included a lot of the families in the book but mainly just like stars and kenya's and seven's family um so the quote from the book is her mama is seven's mama my dad is seven's dad crazy i know and that's just like saying a lot of the dads in the community have only like have lots of different kids with different women and according to statista.com in 2019 there are about 4.15 million black families in the united states with a single mother and that's just how a lot of that community is is there's just a bunch of different families that are related somehow by the dad or the mom going to different people and now we're going to have a quick commercial break Want to look good and feel good? Want to spice up that plain old outfit of yours? Want to attract someone using your feet? Well, I got the perfect shoe for you. Nike Air Jordans can do all that and more. So why wouldn't you want to look fly, feel fly, and fly in a new pair of Airs? I interviewed Mrs. Yost. She is a teacher at Andal High School and she has been here for about a year now. And here are the things that she had responded to. Why did you decide to teach here and not in Wichita? I was hired here first is the original reason. Um, I also um, 
that was basically it. I was just hired here first. Do you think people of color have a harder time living than a white man? Yes. Why? Because there's still stereotypes and people have biases and also um, things have not gotten to the point where they think that people in general think that when it comes to black people they can still do the same job because of their biases and it's just carried down from generation to generation and a lot of the time it's because there's also called white privilege. <laughs> um, what ways do you think we can help them feel more welcomed in our society? I think they need to start integrating schools and also one of the biggest ways is through location of homes like once they people start integrating their neighborhoods then you can start having an equal equality between those who attend the same schools and those that get the same education versus just having predominantly white neighborhoods how do we get those white people into the black community oh there's white people in the black community it's well, yeah, like, <laughs> more the black community, like, not more, the white people community. Yeah, but how do we make it more like appealing for? Because you know, like the stereotype about black community, black communities, and like their um, uncleanliness. It's they they don't get the same kind of benefits that white communities get. Their pricing is also less. I mean, this has all actually been very proven. Um, the cost for and like a bigger city, obviously Wichita, there's no really cost difference in housing a lot of the times, but a black person's cost of housing is actually 25% less than in a white neighborhood of the same kind of house. Do you it's, think that's because of the drug and gang violences, or do you think that's just because? Spices. Um, even people, when they have a white community and a black neighbor moves in, they're like, oh, that means our you know, community or neighborhood's going to go down. And yeah. it's those kind of biases that are just messed up. I mean, even black families in white neighborhoods, when they want to sell their house, will put all kinds of white people pictures around just so the families know that they're just buying a white house, not a black house. It's, it's upsetting. How do you think we can fix that? I think that there needs to be a higher up, like, governmental process in which... You know, they start integrating um, black families into white neighborhoods and stop. I think it's also everybody's biases needs to be let go that they're actually different people when they're really just human beings. Do you think racism can be taken towards a white person or an Asian or other races other than black? I think anybody can be discriminated against, honestly. But I think more when it comes down to it that white people need to realize that there is white privilege out there that they when they walk down the street or when they drive down the street people are going to think oh they're fine you know they're white they're not going to do anything versus you know there's some biases out there it's like oh there's this black person walking down the street why are they here when you just doesn't matter why they're here they're not doing anything wrong you know how can we make it to where other whites will see blacks as equals integration like schools we... when they're younger it's actually funny that kids don't see color 
Like, children themselves don't see color whatsoever. And it's the parents. Parents need to have a more diverse group of friends. With all of the, like, very close-minded people, how do we do that, though? How do we... Like, as you, for you as a teacher, how are you supposed to teach other kids to, be, to treat others equally when at home they're being told not to and they're being shown other I, ways? I personally, in my seminar class, bring up podcasts that you know, bring up situations just like this in which it shows that there's different kinds of people out there. And since we're in a predominantly by meaning almost completely white school, you know, that I think it's important for them to see that there's all kinds of people. Even even in India, they have a caste system. Have you guys ever heard of a caste? Yeah. I mean, I just played one last week about a caste system in India. It's huge. And these people are being um, penalized because their grandparents or something even further back were from a certain certain type of um you know level of hierarchy within their system i mean and so i did ask my seminar how would you feel if you were being treated the same way that your great grandparents were and the reality is a lot of people who are black their great grandparents were still slaves or owned or something like that so it's it's really unfortunate and a lot of times it's also comes down to law because in like 1865 you know one of the big things that Abraham Lincoln was um you know fighting for was equality through you know black citizens for the next 30 years blacks did actually get a lot of um they were like inventing things and owning their own land and you know, actually being citizens of this world, and then laws came around again and made it ten times worse for them to do anything, the Jim Crow laws. So at the beginning of the 19th century, again, they couldn't even do small things when they, they could have done ten years ago, just because of laws. So honestly, not getting a super right white supremacist kind of person and government and voting for somebody who's about equal rights and voting for people that is going to bring together the United States versus separating it would actually be a very good start. Have you experienced racism like hand on like from a shoe? <laughs> first hand. Yeah, first hand experience. Like have you encountered it? Um Okay, so here's a story. I got a ride home from one of my coworkers who's an older black gentleman, and he was super, super silent, like, the whole way home. And usually I'm, like, super chatty and talking and making him talk to me all the time. And he would not say anything to me. And I was just like, what's wrong? And he was just like, and like I said, he was really, he was, like, 40 years older than I was or so. He was like, it just ain't white, right for a white or black man to be driving around a white woman. And I was like, you know, it's like 2000 some now. You, you don't have to worry about this. He's like, just makes me nervous. <laughs> do you think they still do have to worry about those things? Oh, definitely. Like interracial inter relationships? Oh, definitely. At least it's not illegal anymore, but... Yeah. I mean, definitely. They're still looked at as, why did she date this guy? Or why did she choose him? Or something. 
I think it would be nice that more people be have interracial relationships because eventually then we'll all be the same color and just a big pot of mixed. Have you taught anywhere else? No. Uh, do you think that other in-town schools have drug issues? Yes. Like in a way that we do or don't? We don't. Yeah. I don't think that... I don't. I think our concerns mainly alcohol. We have a bunch of country people out here drinking, and they shouldn't be, and maybe growing their own, their own herb or something and smoking that. But inner city, you know, you'll have a bunch of pills, you'll have a bunch of um, cocaine, heroin. I mean, you know, some bad, some very very bad stuff. I'm not saying that drinking shouldn't drink at this young and shouldn't smoke pot either because your brains aren't developed so I mean but at the same time I mean there's some more hardcore stuff that will totally alter your brain chemistry and maybe eventually make you go loonies so throughout like the years why do you think it is that Andal is not diverse like the way that it's supposed like the way that other schools are like you said like most of our student body is white so how is there like well i haven't looked into goddard but i'm assuming they're mostly white and mulvane's mostly white and so all the surrounding areas are mostly white so that's basically why <laughs> how do we influence others to come out this way well honestly what does andale have to i mean andale doesn't have housing that is for the middle class really I mean no offense to most of you but most of you guys live in 200,000 some dollar houses or you're a farmer or you know I mean I can't afford to live out here <laughs> like, you know if I wanted to it's just like I don't I mean, you don't have affordable housing. And why would somebody want to drive 20 minutes away from Wichita to come out here? Just as a general, not even a racist question, but... Yeah, I think that our community also is very safe and it could get them out of that trouble. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, again, somebody would have to move out here and it would have to be... I mean, where would they move? I mean, Andale already has a... I mean, most of the houses that are being built aren't... $250,000 houses and and like I said even if you look at the statistics even black people are even black people and women are paid 20% less for doing the same job which is messed up so why why would they why would they move out here there's no place so if we get affordable how, like housing you think that we'd get more diverse school and diverse community definitely So next up, we will be talking about the symbols in the book. Our first symbol is THUG, which is an acronym for the title, The Hate You Give. THUG Life is also used in the book, which means the hate you give, little infants, beep everybody, which represents their community in the book, which has lots of poverty and crime. Our second symbol is Black Jesus, which represents the power that African Americans have in the face of everything. 
Maverick used it as a role model for his kids. A lot of them have Black Jesus posted in their stores and homes. With us today, we have Sydney Cress and Easton Bradbury, and we're going to be having a discussion with them. So the first question is, Star saw two of her best friends getting killed. So how would you guys feel if you guys saw your best friend get killed right in front of you? I think personally, I would feel very similar to how Star felt. Um, that's probably one of the most tragic things you can ever see, experience, and I don't think for the rest of your life you'll ever forget that. You'll always have kind of a chip on your shoulder about that moment and people involved. Like Star said, with the cop, she never referred to him as his real name, so she decided to call him as his officer name or officer number, I believe. So I think I would react kind of the same, full of hatred and just very angry at the world and at the cop and pretty much at everyone for a while. I think that I would react just, first of all, I'd be shocked. I wouldn't know. I would kind of question whether that just actually happened and I'd kind of be freaked out by it. Um, I think that I'd definitely be numb for a little bit about like what's going on around me. I wouldn't want to like be around other people and stuff just because I'd probably be missing them and it'd probably just really mess with my mind a little bit. Um, but I think if other people were to witness it, it would just really shock them and make them sad most likely. Um, but I think the officer, that situation, I don't know if I would necessarily like not be able to confront them or anything, but I definitely think I would uh, be more aware of the people I'm around and be like looking for stuff that triggered anything that would have happened in that situation. And it was kind of sad how she had to go to school and act like she didn't even see anything and that she didn't even know the person. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I could do that. Like, I wouldn't be able to go to a different school and act like everything was fine. I don't think I'd be able to keep quiet for that long, as long as she did, especially, like, hiding it from, like, her friends, like, both sides from Williamson and um, Garden, Garden Heights. Heights. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She literally had so much weight on her shoulders for so long and she didn't even tell her parents or her family that the cop held the gun up to her which is very traumatizing until she told her uncle first when she had a breakdown so following up with Khalil's death um star was pressured by many people in the community to stick up and stand up for what had happened that night and up for Khalil and so what would you guys like, how would you guys respond to being at your best friend's funeral and questioned and told that you should come speak for and help the protest as a witness so you can hear your side of the story? Would you do it or would you stay quiet? Uh, for me, I think there's like two options. I'd either be like still in mourning and wouldn't be ready to do it. I think I'd still be kind of shocked and wouldn't want to put myself out there yet or I'd probably be like I'm so upset that I'd of course do it that I'd feel guilty if I didn't do it and I'd have to get out there as soon as possible just because um, that is my best friend and I wouldn't want someone to uh, not charge be charged for their death when I know that's exactly what happened so following with what Easton said I kind of agree with him um, of course at a funeral that's following just a couple days after somebody has died. So being approached maybe three days after your best friend was just murdered in front of you, I think that I would probably be a little standoffish towards 
a lady I don't know coming up to me asking if I could stand up for what had happened, the movement, try to put on a brave face for that. I think that eventually over time, maybe a week or two at least, to give myself enough time to mourn, then I would join into advocating for the movement. But I think that the lady, Miss Ofra, approaching Star at her best friend's funeral probably three, four days after he died was a little bit inappropriate. And personally, I would have told her to get away from me. (laughs) (laughs) I think I would be a part of the protest, but I wouldn't, like, stand out as, like, the leader or whatever. Like, I would just protest with them, but, like, stay quiet and just be there instead of advocating for it. So, like, say you guys are star. If you guys were in her position in cops are like if you stand up for Khalil the cops will like terrorize you and like harass you would you guys still be as willing to do it I think so yeah I mean if I replaced Khalil with someone that I really loved that I knew personally and I was getting terrorized for that I would not care I think that I would do as much as I could to find justice for that so if I was getting terrorized by police officers I would simply just keep doing it her family was also on the line though her Her dad was put in handcuffs for sitting outside of his store talking to another business owner i feel like i could do it until a certain point i feel like i probably would have thought that at one point that it crossed the line i probably would have backed out honestly um i feel like going for my family is a lot different than them just going for me Mm because i chose to do that my family wouldn't have chosen necessarily to themselves at risk like that and i feel i'd probably feel selfish for doing that if they were getting harmed in the due to my choice so after khalil died a lot of the media put stuff out about his death and everything but they twisted the stories a lot so if you were a star how would you feel like if the media kept saying stuff that was completely wrong and just like making him khalil sound like a bad person um i think that I would again be very angry. Um, It would be hard for me not to reach out to those people and those companies that are saying a bunch of different stories about it. But I think ultimately you have to try to be quiet and not get yourself involved, which could put a bad look on you, which then could also reflect on Cleo and his case. So I think I would be angry on the inside. I would try to keep calm, keep quiet, stay mature. And ultimately, once the case began, then everyone can hear the true story and you can finally get it out there and just show everyone what actually happened. I agree with Sydney. I think that um, waiting until the trial would be the best thing just because anything before, it's just going to cause more trouble, especially like because you're most likely just going to get frustrated. And when you're frustrated, you're not thinking clearly and you or someone else could do something that would honestly make the case worse and it would reflect poorly on you. So I think definitely waiting till you're actually in trial and in the courtroom figuring stuff out would be the better time to kind of get the story out and what really happened rather than um, doing it based off uh, impulse decisions. So how would you guys feel? Because the grand jury didn't indict the case and they didn't find the police officer guilty. So they didn't even get to go to court. So how would you guys react after that happened? I think then I would definitely become more verbal about it and um, definitely become more of an activist. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rather than just kind of sitting around, I think I, since I knew what happened, 
um, I think I'd definitely be fighting for the justice a lot harder than uh, I was when I was waiting to get to the case. I also think it kind of puts a bad look on the grand jury or whoever decided that it shouldn't go to court. I think it's a very serious case and deserves some recognition at least. Um, I just honestly would be very disappointed, I think. Um, you go through all of this protesting and all of the media and all of that, everyone's hearing about it, but it ends up not going to court. It just kind of seems like a big climactic thing up to just a drop of fail that nothing gets solved, nothing gets improved at all. Mm -hmm. And here is another commercial break. Have you ever looked into the night sky and think, wow, I want to be one of those stars? Yes, I do. <laughs> well, now you can. Not literally, but hypothetically speaking, you can buy a star and it can be named after you. So to purchase your star, call 1-800-STARR-533 to purchase yours today. I interviewed Mark Griggs and here's what he had to say. Do you think America is a racist country, and do you think systemic racism exists? I do not believe America as a whole is a racist nation, and I definitely do not believe the country has systemic racism. However, I do think there are racist people and racist groups. I do believe the KKK, the BLM, those type of groups are absolutely racist people and racist groups. As far as systemic racism, we have black president. We have minority senators and congressmen. There's not a job in this country that is not able to be won or made or earned because of your race or your religion. Do you think a black man has a harder time living than a white man? I actually do, but I don't think it's because of racism. I don't think we have a racism problem in this country as much as we have a culture problem in this country. Each race has developed their own culture. And unfortunately, in the black community, the culture has gone bad. I believe the drugs and the violence and the lack of a male leadership in the black community is horrible. I know that 70% of all children in the black community are being raised without a, either a single parent or without a male figure in the house. I truly believe that until the culture changes in their community, they're going to struggle. 47% of females in the black community experience domestic violence in their lifetime. Do you think police officers are racist and do you think we should defund the police? I think that the police officers are racist in general. I cannot say for a fact that 100% of them are not racist, but I would say that the majority of them, the maximum majority of them are not racist. 
I think it's a hard job to become a police officer. Do I think that the black male that gets pulled over by a police officer has a harder time than a white male? I do believe that happens. I do believe instead of the word racism, I would replace it with the word I'd replace it with the word profiled. I think everybody profiles everyone. Whether it's a female walking down the hall and notices a good-looking man or a guy walking down the hall and he notices a good-looking girl. We profile everybody. In the police case, they walk up to a car seen driven by a young black male. And unfortunately, because of their culture and because of the way that the majority of crimes are committed by the young black male, they walk up to those cars with a different mindset. I don't think it's a racist mindset as much as it is a profile for safety. As far as defunding the police, that would be the craziest and probably most ignorant thing to do. Because disproportionately, it would actually affect the black communities worse. I've had several conversations with some of my black friends that when they talk about this, they laugh because they say, we would eat ourselves within. The drug dealers, the murders, the rapes, it would all be taking place inside of our neighborhoods. Those are the easy targets. So defunding the police would destroy the black community completely. I know there's a lot of call for social justice and so forth. But let's be honest. When it comes to the police and the interactions of black males or for that matter white males and being shot, being unarmed, the statistics just do not back up what the protests are talking about. Majority of people that are shot that are unarmed are white. Yes, more than black. And honestly, some of those cops are committing murder, but not the most of them. What are your thoughts about the Black Lives Matter movement? What BLM, what BLM itself stands for, in my opinion, is the most racist statement in the world. Black lives matter? Of course they do. So do white lives, Asian lives, Mexican lives, Hispanic lives, I should say, or anything like that gay lives, lesbian lives, LGBTQ lives. But to say black lives matter and have to say that itself is a racist statement in itself. It divides. It divides Americans as a whole. If all lives matter, then no lives matter. If all lives don't matter, then no lives matter. We live in a country that allows anyone the same opportunity. It affords everyone the same opportunity, should I say. When you're born, you have the opportunity to succeed. Nobody can take that away from you. Is it harder in some ways than others? Of course. Does that have to do with your color of your skin? I think not. I think it has more to do with your culture. Is it easier for a little boy, white boy in Andale, Kansas, to grow up and be successful than it is a young black man in downtown Wichita? I don't know if I can, anybody can have that answer. I know it all depends on your home. It all depends on your environment. These all things speak to culture. And if your culture's not good at home, in your neighborhood, then the choices you make are tougher. The choices you make have bigger consequences. As I said at the beginning, we have had a black president, the highest office in the land. 
We've had black mayors, black senators, black congressmen, black congressmen, black professional athletes. There's nothing a black man can't accomplish if he puts his mind to it. The same as it is for the whites. The blacks talk about years and years of oppression. The most oppressed people in this country were the Asian Americans. They were ridiculed. They were put into places that nobody believes about. They were slaves for much longer than the blacks were slaves. Yet they built the railroad and they helped this country become what this country is. Along with the blacks, along with the whites, the Italians, the Irish, all ethnic groups, all races. This country was built on the back of many people, not just slaves. But since we brought up the Asian community, who most would consider probably the most persecuted community in the country. Do you know by per capita, they're the wealthiest now and the smartest? Because they believe in three things. And these three things are very prevalent throughout the Asian community. Do not get pregnant before you're married. Have a great education and have both parents at home. Those are standards in the Asian community. And because of that, per capita, they're the richest ethnic group in the United States. However, back to the systemic racism question. I don't think it's systemic racism that we have to deal with as much as it is systemic pandering that we deal with. See, the political parties get into office and they really count on the minority vote. So they pander to them. They tell them everything's going to be free. Don't worry about it. The more children you have, the more welfare you get. Don't worry about having IDs to vote. All these things come into play to make life supposedly easier. And all it has done over the many years of this happening has destroyed the community. No, the black community, the black culture doesn't have 100% of the blame here. Of course, they do have some of the blame. But what our politicians have done to them has created most of this. Let's go back to some of the latest movements from like BLM or Antifa or some of these other radically left groups. I mean, I want you to think about we're changing the names of schools like George Washington or tearing down statues. Think we're changing Aunt Jemima syrup because somebody finds it offensive. We live in a cancel culture and that culture is creating people that believe as long as they cry loud enough that they'll get their way. This does not breed success. This breeds complacency. It doesn't make somebody say, I want to make my life better. It makes somebody say, what can somebody else do for me? I've lived in socialist countries. I've lived in Nicaragua and Venezuela. I can tell you what the left-leaning liberals are feeding us right now. We are on the path to socialism, free education, free health care, free, free, free. Let me ask you something. Is education not free today? Of course it is. Is health care available for you if you have no insurance? Of course it is. These are the same things that are offered in other countries. I think a big problem is that liberalism is being shoved down young students' minds by very liberal teachers. I think teachers have overstepped the boundaries of what they were there supposed to be. 
the A's, B's, and C's of school and the one plus two equals three of school have been lost into indoctrination. Most teachers are liberals and they believe it's their job to influence the young minds that they're teaching. I don't know when this started, but I know it's been in the last 12 years. I know that it's ruining the country. The day we started giving out 15th place ribbons, I knew we were in trouble. When everybody got a participation trophy, we were in trouble. The world doesn't have consequences now. Let's go back to a young black man's lives. Today, the liberals would say that he shouldn't go to jail for drugs. They should be let out. They say he shouldn't be shot if he charges somebody with a knife or with a gun. They say that if you do drugs, going to jail, you should be taken out or have counseling. These do not deter anybody. You need deterrence in life. You need consequence in life. And I don't think that society is teaching consequences, whether it's to the black male or to the white male or to the Hispanic male or Asian male, or for that matter, females in all those categories. You must have consequences. And of course, with consequences, you should have the opposite, which is rewards. And I think there are. You cannot reward for something that's not done. And that's what I'm afraid the way society is going. I was asked what it means, what I think would help to help the black community, the minority communities. I think there's a lot of things that could help the minority communities. I think economic growth, I think easier access to capital would help them. I think improving their schools would help them. I believe building supermarkets in their areas. I've, I've been to some of the areas they live in and they don't have supermarkets. They buy their groceries at convenience stores because that's the easiest access they have. However, with that said, I do believe those communities need to help themselves. I do believe they need to root out the problems, the drug dealers, the gangbangers, the things that make their community unsafe, not only for somebody like a white male to walk into their community, but for their own children to walk into their community. There are more black lives taken on a daily basis in Chicago and Baltimore and Detroit from other black lives people from other black individuals, that it's sad. This isn't about Black Lives Matter and protesting. This is about a opportunity to see if they can get something for free. And that in myself is, that in itself is sad. Because if Black Lives truly mattered, the number one thing they would stop is abortion. As abortion was created to actually curtail the amount of black babies that were born. Over 300,000 black babies are killed every year through abortion. Abortion is the largest killer of black human beings. And I repeat, abortion was started as a way to control the population of black individuals. Abortion in itself, base, is racist. Take a look at the places that Planned Parenthood is open. Most of them are done. Most of them are opened and operating in minority communities. That should tell you something in itself. So yes, I believe that there are ways to help the minority community. Economic growth, easier access to capital, getting rid of Planned Parenthood, abortion itself, getting rid of the gangbangers, getting rid of the drug dealers. Those are all things that would help the minority community. Think about being a young five-year-old black man, boy in that community. If you don't have to worry about gangbangers 
or drugs or being aborted before you were five or the things like that, and your parents had access to capital to start their own business, to buy their own home, to do those things, they would be better off. But again, you must change from within before anybody else can help you from the outside. An alcoholic has to want to not be an alcoholic before AAA can fix them. There's no fix for this unless you want to fix yourself. Now we are going to discuss the diversity that this book is about. This book is diverse because it deals a lot with race issues, with, which still happens in today's world. The author Angie Thomas wrote this book for young adult readers to inform them about the community that people of color live in and experience what they live in. She wrote this book based about what she witnessed growing up, and she saw a lot of gangs and shootings, drugs and crimes, so that's what a lot of the book was about, is she actually firsthand witnessed that. Um, she also wanted to be, a, she wanted to be an author, like, for her whole life, and then once she kept seeing, like, African Americans getting shot by cops, she found exactly what she wanted to write about. Oh. Wrapping up this podcast, we highly recommend this book because it portrays a lot of the of the problems we are facing in today's world, and we think that this issue needs to be addressed because it's happening all over our world. Thank you for listening. <laughs>